Kirby, David Horowitz on the dark agenda against Christian America, John Stimberger and Trail Life USA, plus magic and comedy performances. That's Trey Corley and the Music City Connection. And I'm your announcer, Keith Filbury. And now, here's Mike Huckabee! Thank you, thank you. And what a great audience we have here tonight. By the way, big news this weekend. The Robert Mueller report has now been turned in, and it appears that there are no more indictments. Boy, am I fine. I did not get indicted by the Mueller team. I am the happiest guy in America tonight. Not that there was anything that connected me to Russia but apparently nothing that connected the president to Russia either. So there you go. All this time and all this money. And a big goose egg over there. By the way, I understand that uh, CNN and MSNBC have gone off the air this weekend. <laughs> With the Mueller report out and no indictments, they have absolutely nothing to say. <laughs> nothing. Well, this week I made a quick trip to Israel. Well, as quick as I could make it. I left Sunday night, arrived Monday night, spent all day Tuesday with Prime Minister Netanyahu to encourage him in his election that's coming up in just a few weeks. Then I got back on a plane Tuesday night and flew home arriving Wednesday afternoon. Now I went with the Prime Minister by helicopter to the ancient city of Shiloh. Over there they call it Shiloh. That's where Eli the high priest oversaw the original tabernacle where the Ark of the Covenant was kept over 3,000 years ago. And it's also where Hannah prayed for the birth of her son Samuel. Now for those who question the Jews' historical connection to the land that God promised them, a trip to Shiloh will help answer those questions. The historical and archeological evidence is overwhelming. After that, I went with the prime minister to visit the family of a rabbi who was murdered by a terrorist in Samaria. This rabbi has 12 children, ranging in age from 21 down to a year and a half. I got to tell you, it was a sobering reminder of the dangers that Jewish families face from terrorists. And what happened was the rabbi saw a man, this terrorist, stab an Israeli soldier and then try to shoot another soldier with the soldier's own gun that he had wrestled from him. The rabbi saw this, courageously circled back to try and stop the attack, but he was murdered as he tried to intervene. I want to tell you something. I've known Benjamin Netanyahu for many years, even when he wasn't the prime minister. I've watched him stand boldly at the hostile environment of the United Nations to urge that worthless body to stop Iran from building nuclear bombs. I've heard him speak to the U.S. Congress in one of the most riveting speeches ever delivered in the House chamber. But I'm not sure I've ever seen a leader more effective than when he tenderly and compassionately spoke to the members of a simple family who were grieving over the loss of a husband, son, and father who was killed sacrificing himself to save a soldier. Now, we're instructed to pray for the peace of Jerusalem, and I hope you do so. But while I would not have the audacity to instruct the people of Israel as to how to vote in the upcoming election, I would simply note that they are blessed with a strong and steady hand at the wheel of their country who has been relentlessly attacked by political enemies who were unable to argue better policies. So they resorted to attacking him personally as well as in the legal system. By the way, if that sounds familiar, <laughs> it's sort of what we've come to see in U.S. politics. When you can't win the debate on the issues, you try to win an election based on smart or sometimes even underhanded political tactics. And when you can't win because your tactics aren't effective, or maybe you don't show up at the states where you need to get the votes, then the only thing left to do is engage in vicious personal attacks in order to distract the voters. And when people can't accept the results of an election, 
then they resort to what we see both in the U.S. as well as what the Israelis are seeing in their country. The abuse of the law to smear elected leaders by weaponizing police agencies like the FBI and the Department of Justice and try and simply overturn the will of the voters. Now, the Israeli election is important for us. You say, how? Well, the steady hand of this prime minister has made Israel, the Middle East, and America safer. Now, he's been accused of some things that are serious, but most of them unsubstantiated, and some of the things that just plain absurd. American politics, well, aren't the only blood sport in the world. It's happening to our ally Israel. Their election is not really about the left and the right. It's about up and down. It's whether they're going to continue their robust economy, a strong resistance to a nuclear Iran, and an unapologetic protection of their people by rigid border security. They're simply the tip of the spear at Iran's quest to destroying Israel, the United States, and then setting fire to the rest of the non-Shiite world. So what happens halfway around the world? It really does matter. And by the way, two days after I was there, President Trump courageously did what I had hoped previous presidents would have done, finally acknowledge after 52 years that the Golan Heights was in fact part of Israel and not disputed land. And like him or not, Like him or not, if you support Israel, you've got to give credit, credit to President Trump for doing more to stand with Israel in two years than any other president has done in the previous 71 years combined. And by the way, if, if you believe the Bible, then you will surely believe that it's said in Genesis 12, those who bless Israel will be blessed and those who curse Israel will be cursed. Now, I'm going to tell you something. I can't speak for you, but I'd rather be on the receiving side of God's blessing than the receiving side of his curse. Well, America was built on Judeo-Christian values, but they are under assault by those who wish to turn this nation into a secular socialist state. The current battle for America's soul is chronicled in an important new book called Dark Agenda, The War to Destroy Christian America. Would you please welcome its author and my friend, David Horowitz. <laughs> David, it is great having you here. I want to get right to the power of this book, and it's strong. Why on earth would a Jewish guy like David Horowitz write a book defending Christianity? No, because I realized I, I'm an agnostic. I was a leader of the new left radicals. When I saw uh, how destructive they were, I had to reevaluate America. And I saw that America could only have been created by Christians and by Protestant Christians. We don't teach that in the schools anymore. But every value that we hold uh, whether it's equality, inclusion, even diversity, these are all Christian values. Uh, and the left hates, hates them, hates Christians because they hate America. I know that uh, you know, Christians are focused on the, the next world, on saving your immortal souls. But if you don't defend uh, your rights now, if you don't defend Christianity now, you're not going to have any. There won't be churches. David, they will destroy them. David, explain to me why people on the left will support same-sex marriage, they'll support transgenderism, and yet they also seem to have no problem with Islam or Sharia law, which is because, far harsher on these issues because than Christians. Because Islam hates America and hates the West. Yeah, but why would liberals the enemy of my team enemy. up with these I people? I wrote a book actually called Unholy Alliance about this. The enemy of my enemy is my friend. That's all I care about. Why would they support Maduro in Venezuela? Yeah, I mean, it's it a makes monster. No sense. Well, it does if you see the world as a system of oppression where America... Don't forget what the left believes. They believe what the Ayatollah Khomeini said. America is the great Satan and Israel is the little Satan. That explains it all. 
Why would people say, let's tear it down? Why wouldn't they say, let's just get us a one-way ticket to one of those better places like Venezuela? I where we actually had a, a plan to create a Fulbright scholarship for leftists that would <laughs> send them to the country of their choice, but one way. <laughs> See, I think that makes more sense. But, but I'm serious. Why would they think it's better to tear because down this country? Because they're delusional. If you remember, I mean, we had, uh, you know, when, when our foreparents were in the Garden of Eden, it was better than socialism. The fruit fell from the trees. You didn't die. <laughs> you didn't have pain. Um, but there was one thing that you shouldn't do. The Lord had forbidden you to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And that, you know, it's like a diet where they say the only thing you can't eat is carrots, and that's all you want. Trust me, I've never wanted carrots. People, I can tell you that. People, people are ornery. That's the lesson. And what did the serpent say to Adam and Eve? If you eat of that tree, you shall be as God. Hmm. Every leftist has that arrogance. They think they can remake the world. Just look at the Green New Deal that this idiot woman is proposing. <laughs> But, you mean we're really going to last longer than 12 years? We're not all going to yeah, uh, turn into toast? You don't get rid of gasoline cars. In 10 years, the planet is going to disappear. Now, how many gasoline cars are there, you think? 300 million? 150 million owners? These owners have already decided they didn't want a Prius. They wanted a gasoline car. They're going to lose a lot of money. You couldn't get rid of gasoline cars without instituting a police state. And believe me, they will have no compunction about doing it. Don't call it socialism. It's communism. That's who they are. David, in the book, which, by the way, um, right here at the top, it has this great quote by a guy named Mike Huckabee. It says, most compelling defense of Christianity. It's right there on the cover. So clearly, I have endorsed the book because I think it's fantastic. But one of the things you talk about in that book is uh, Margaret Sanger, the founder of Planned Parenthood. Right. She was and the a left, racist. Well, she was, but and why she was is a it communist? The, why and does the left embrace her? And Margaret Sanger thought people should be bred like animals, and there were all these inferior species, and she blamed women for having having unprotected sex. That's how she got the contraception and bringing into the world defective people, who, in her mind, were mainly black. She was a blatant racist, she wasn't was she? She was a blatant racist. Um, but they have this delusion that they can change the world, first through contraception and then abortion. And even though I know how evil the left is, and they talk a good line, they're very seductive, but so is the serpent. I never thought I'd live to see the day when they would pass laws, the Democrats to kill children who've already been born. This is so inhuman. And I, I, I want more. I see with the younger generation of conservatives, they tell it like it is. They, they call, they call um, this, these enemies of America out. But I'd like to see other people. You know, I don't want you to put yourself in a situation which is uncomfortable for you. But we have to stand up to them and fight back. And, one of the things that you talk very eloquently about in uh, the book Dark Agenda is, is the need to fight back on issues where we've lost our religious liberty. You go back and chronicle uh, the Supreme Court decisions in the early 60s. Yeah. Now, at that time, you were still a leftist. You know, it's very odd. Yeah? Because, yeah, I was a Jew. They said the Lord's Prayer, which is a Christian prayer in my assembly. I was fascinated. I love the words, lead us not into temptation, but thine is the power and the glory and the kingdom. I just love that. I was appalled when they took prayer out of the schools. Mm. Why? I didn't understand it. But it was very sinister. They wiped religion out of the school so that uh, public school children cannot be told that the pilgrims were Christians. 98% of the people who settled this country and created it were Protestant Christians, 98%. But the school children, you know, they, they can teach that there was a first Thanksgiving, but you can't say that the Thanksgiving was to God. You can say so that the Hopi to? Indians pray to Mother Earth, but yeah. you can't say that Christians pray to God. This is a very sinister movement. It's been going on for 50 years or more in this country, and it has to be stopped. 
David, it's always a great pleasure to visit Thank with you. you. You're one of the most articulate, if not the most articulate and scholarly person I know in this country who has lived the spectrum of life in that way. Right. Be sure to read the book, Dark Agenda. It is a sobering warning about the rising efforts to destroy America's spiritual foundation. You can get the book at Amazon or your favorite bookstore. Also, you can find out all of David Horowitz's works at HorowitzFreedomCenter.org. That's HorowitzFreedomCenter.org. It's right there on your screen to write it down, get the spelling right. In the meantime, Keith, why don't you turn on the lights and tell us what bright agenda we have coming up tonight. I would love to. Coming up, illusionist Harris III, then John Stemberger and Trail Life USA. Later, former gang leader John Turnipseed. Comedian Leslie Norris Thompson and fiddler dancer Hillary Clue perform on Huckabee. Our next guest uses his entertainment talents with a goal to reawaken that sense of wonder and magic that tends to get stolen in life. Please welcome master illusionist Harris III. Thank you very much. Well, I've been performing illusions for a long time, and it's interesting because about 15 years ago, I was on this tour in Southeast Asia performing in a little country called Sri Lanka. It's a little island south of India. While we were there, I performed an illusion with an old antique table, very similar to this one that we brought here to the studio today. Um, and after the show, this guy came up to me and he's like, hey, where'd you get that table? I was like, why are you asking? And he goes on to explain to me that he knows where I got it. He just don't, he doesn't know where I know this man from. I said, I have no idea what you're talking about. And he explains that in his village there in Sri Lanka, there's a man who has a table that looks like mine, but the guy who has the table claimed it could move around. He said the table could actually slide across the floor without anyone touching it. Now he said that was possible because of spirits, that they were manifesting their presence by making the table move. As an illusionist, I knew it was easy for people to be deceived and that what I do and what magicians do are just tricks, but I was skeptical. So I just decided I'm just gonna go visit this guy to do a little research. And what I discovered that day absolutely shocked me. It actually taught me a valuable life lesson that I will never forget. Uh, I will tell you what that was in a moment, but, but first I wanna perform this for you. The same illusion, keyword illusion, that I did for the people in Sri Lanka. To do that, I need some more help from someone in the audience. I'd love to actually get someone from our studio audience here on stage. I see a lady, she's right up there about three rows back. Come on up, everybody clap for her, give her a big round of applause. Welcome her to the stage. Come on up, come on up. Hi. Thank you for volunteering. I'm Harris, what's your name? Tasha. 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 very nice yeah. to meet you, Tasha. Where are you from? Here. Here in Nashville, that's Henderson awesome. Though. Hendersonville, love that, love that. I'm gonna place the table right here in between you and I want you to stand over there on that side. Okay. Tasha, you are here on stage right now to ensure that all these people and the governor over there at the desk and all the people watching at home, that what they're about to experience is actually exactly what they would experience if you were inches away from this table where you are. Okay. You also have a simple job to do. There's a tablecloth draped across the top of the table. I want you to hold onto the corners of the table. Just hold one corner in each hand. I'm gonna do the same thing on my side with my hands. Tasha, no matter what happens, do not hold this table down. Okay. okay, don't hold it down with a tablecloth. Don't put any downward pressure on it. Just hold the corners lightly like this with plenty of slack. Okay. If this works, sometimes it doesn't. If the table decides to move, I just need you to move with the table. Okay. Okay. Look underneath the tablecloth. Well, okay, all right, let go, let go, let go.
<laughs> All right, let's give Tasha a big round of applause for volunteering. Tasha, thank you so much for coming up. You may be seated. Well done, well done. That was fantastic. <laughs> oh, thank you so much. I appreciate that. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> this is incredibly entertaining. It's an yes. enormous amount of fun. I'm a sucker for magic tricks, I gotta tell you. <laughs> but what you're telling us is that there really isn't magic behind it. Yeah, it's funny. You know, people refer to us as magicians and you think the stuff that they see us do on stage, we even call it magic, even though deep down most of us yeah. know it's just a trick. But it's funny because it is all fake, but yet we look at things in the world around us and cynicism is so thick in our culture that we look at things that are very real and very magical, but we have a tendency just to roll our eyes in cynicism and go, oh, that's the stuff that doesn't matter. Because magic isn't something you see a magician do, it's, it's what you feel, right? When the table started floating, you weren't seeing magic, yeah. but you felt it. It's that childlike yeah. wonder, that sense that maybe I don't know what's possible. Maybe there's more going on than what I can see, smell, taste, touch, and hear. You are headed out on a tour all across America. It's called the Compassion Live Real Magic Tour. It what is. do you do in your shows? Because I know a lot of us would love to come see the full show. Sure, yeah. Well, it's called the Real Magic Tour, not because any of the magic that we do on stage is real, but again, Throughout the show, we're gonna tell a story that reawakens a little bit of sense of that childlike wonder. And we can reawaken that wonder. It gives birth to childlike faith and possibility. We begin to use our imaginations to dream and create again the way that God intended, instead of using our imaginations to worry and fear. Worry is a misuse of imagination. And so I used to think that imagination was this childlike thing that yeah. we stop using when we grow up. I see grownups using their imagination every single day to worry and fear. And I think that's a misuse of it. Yeah. I hope people will come see you. And I'm gonna ask so. Keith, uh, to tell us all about where they can find out where to come see you and how to get your materials. Thank you so much. Thank pleasure. you. Thank you, my pleasure. Thank you. Well, if you'd like to put a little wonder and magic back in your life, get out to see his real magic tour. You can learn more at CompassionLive.com. And if you'd like to invite Harris III to your next event, visit HarrisIII.com. By the way, that's not a Spanish song. It's Harris Three eyes.com. Next, a traditional alternative to the Scouts, Real Life USA. Then the very funny Leslie Norris Townsend performs. And you'll discover what buck dancing means as Hillary Clute performs. Stay tuned for more Huckabee. Contaminated water brings diseases like cholera, typhoid, and dysentery. And it causes nearly three and a half million deaths each year. Now, too many of these are children under the age of five. Think about that, three and a half million. And it's preventable. But it's only preventable if we help with clean water. I hope you'll call Samaritan's Purse or visit their website, SamaritansPurse.org. Make a generous gift to help them provide equipment for clean water that'll let little ones grow healthy and strong in body and in spirit. Water for life and the life-giving water of the gospel. And thanks for reaching out and making a difference through Samaritan's Purse. Well, the Boy Scouts have decided to allow homosexual scouts. Then they approved of having homosexual scout masters. Then they decided that Boy Scouts will now be for boys and girls. And they have abandoned traditional values. But many parents want their kids to learn what they learned in the traditional scouts. And now they've got an alternative. Trail Life USA is a Christian scouting organization that has 30,000 members in 48 states. Please welcome its founder and chairman, John Stenberger. John, great having you here. Thank you. So when you started Trail Life, what was the genesis of it? I mean, did you sit down with some guys and say, look, we, we've got to come up with something that we can send our young men to that we're not worried about? Once we lost the battle to try to get the Boy Scouts to not change their membership standards, we realized there was thousands, tens of thousands of parents that were following us and people within the program saying, we're done. Yeah. This is a violation of principle. They're compromising youth protection by allowing openly gay young people to sleep with other boys. I mean, it's just, it's, it's common sense. We don't sleep boys and girls because they're attracted to each other. I mean, the mission of the Boy Scouts is to prepare young people to make ethical and moral choices throughout their lifetime. That's the stated mission. So, so we just said, you know what? We need a Christian alternative. And so through 2013, 
and you were there at the founding right I was. here in Nashville yep. at our big convention. We were able to launch. We got scoutmasters together. There were hundreds of people, some of the best scoutmasters in the country, said, how can we do this? How can we make it better, Christ-centered, and more, more character and safer than the Boy Scouts of America? Uh, let's talk about how does, uh, let's say if there's a parent or maybe a scoutmaster who's frustrated with where the scouts have gone, how do they start a trail life organization in their community or their church, because a lot of churches have bailed on the scouts and said, you know, we can't sponsor this anymore. So there may be some churches that want to get into trail yeah. life. How do they do it? It starts with the church because we are a church-centered organization. It's not mm. just here's some space. We want the, the church leaders to have eyes on, to know, have relationships with the leaders. So we have a safer program, a more secure program. Uh, they have to be youth protected training. They have to have sign our statement of faith. So the adults have to go through a rigorous process. And then you need about three to five adults to start the program. But any church can do it. Any Christian church that is either Catholic, Protestant, or Orthodox church that can sign a Trinitarian statement of faith can engage. And we would love to have them at Trail Life USA. There's a, there's a map there showing all the troops and how to, how to sign up. So I mean, this is unapologetically a Christ church-centered program for young men. But it goes back to the old uh, traditional camping and hiking and tying knots and learning some basic skills of personal responsibility and first aid and all those things that many of us learned when we were Boy Scouts. Outdoor adventure, leadership, and character building. That's our three main focuses. Mm. And we, wanted, we want to make boys into men. You know, if you go into most scout troops today, sadly say it's a lot of women. Uh, but you go into most trail life troops. When I go on Tuesday with my young men, yeah. It, there's men everywhere, and they're godly men, and they're able to see and learn from them. And so it's such an amazing experience for me as a father to have other men speaking in my son's life. That's, you can't buy that. John, I want to thank you for uh, having the courage, the vision to start something that kind of refreshes this idea of what the Scouts were always about for many of us when we grew up and for even our children. And I hope people will uh, check out Trail Life USA. Well, Governor, I want to give you the official Trail Life handshake. Oh, okay. Thank you. I was wondering, what do and, I do? And, and the official chairman's patch. Thank you. And pin. Very cool. Thank you very much, John. I like the handshake. Now, to learn all about Trail Life USA and how you can join or start a chapter in your community or church, visit traillifeusa.com. Traillifeusa.com. It's where you're going to find adventure, character, and leadership. Hey, Keith, what do we have coming up on our trail called this show? Tell us about it. Well, coming up, news headlines you will not believe and comedy to make you laugh. Plus, a former gang leader goes home to keep others out of gang life. Huckabee is coming right back. From a pig that paints impressionist art to furniture that is haunted, we've got the news stories that'll make your head spin on a segment we call In Case You Missed It. Well, art may be in the eye of the beholder, but when it comes to our next story, it's probably all in the snout. Because you see, in the nation of South Africa, they've discovered a true pig casso. With her paintbrush snugly in snout, <laughs> Pig Casso is making art and vying to become the Jackson Pollock of swine art. <laughs> now, I know some of you are probably saying, Sal, what about a painting pig? <laughs> well, skeptics, you consider this. Pig Casso was a mere piglet when rescued by her owner, who quickly noticed her love of color and paintbrushes. I mean, how swill is that, huh? <laughs> Joanne Lefson, who owns the farm sanctuary South Africa that saved the sow, said, pigs are very smart animals, and so when I brought Pig Casso here to the barn, I thought, how do I keep her entertained? So Lefson tried soccer and rugby balls, but no luck with that. Then she offered up paintbrushes and paint, and the rest is postmodern art history. What I'm wondering is what, no invisible oink for writing? <laughs> It doesn't get better, okay? So you better like this. So soon, Picasso was dipping brushes in paint and creating her art. Now, the paintings can sell for almost $4,000. 
which proves that she obviously understands the idea of bringing home the bacon. <laughs> the proceeds for the paintings go to animal welfare. So I guess that makes Pig Casso a philanthropig. <laughs> oh, and one of the Sal's paintings have been used on a swatch watch that costs $120. Well, Miss Lefson believes her Pig Casso is definitely an abstract expressionist and that the pig's paintings even change with her mood. Frankly, I'm just surprised at the entire story. <laughs> I really am. Okay, so we've all seen those viral Facebook posts where we're asked to help cheer up some poor suffering soul by sending them 10,000 birthday cards. Well, here's a not-so-sweet variation. Two Florida brothers, of course, Florida brothers, Chris and Mike Ferry, like to play pranks on their dad for his birthday. So they put up a billboard near his New Jersey home with their father's actual phone number, <laughs> urging everyone to call and wish him a happy birthday. A photo of it went viral, and Chris Ferry Sr.'s phone has been ringing around the clock. He has received more than 15,000 calls and texts from all over the world. ABC's Live with Kelly and Ryan even tried to call, but they couldn't get through because the mailbox is full. <laughs> Their dad took the joke surprisingly well. Better than I would, I can tell you that. His sons say they're going to have a hard time topping this on his next birthday. But if I could suggest a funny prank that dad might surprise his sons with for their next birthdays, how about changing the beneficiaries in your will? <laughs> now, Dateline, North Carolina. A thrift store in that state is warning consumers that their furniture may be haunted. The Habitat for Humanity Restore in Rowan County posted photos on Facebook showing a chest of drawers and a canopy bed that former owners declared haunted. The Facebook post explained, quote, previous owner reports the high boy is haunted. He and his wife experienced continuous nightmares while it was in their room, and the dogs would not stop barking at it. I wonder if the post was written by a ghost writer. <laughs> Store director Elizabeth Brady said that a lot of people are interested because it's haunted, supposedly, but Brady felt it was her duty to disclose the spookiness of the furniture. Hey, Keith, do you know why you should put depressed ghosts in an elevator? That's one of the few therapies I'm not familiar with, so no, Governor, I don't. Well, you put them in an elevator because it raises their spirits. Oh. You're right, it doesn't get any better. Yeah, it doesn't. Uh, <laughs> all right, back to the story. Well, for you paranormalists who are ready to buy the chest in bed, it's too late. That's right, because the items were purchased this week by a couple for a thousand bucks. Do you think if their check bounces, they'll get repossessed? <laughs> and finally, a shout out to the Russians for sharing their men's face slapping competition with the world. Vasily Kamatsky delivered some brute force to his opponent's cheeks to win the championship, and he pocketed 30,000 rubles. Yikes. Our 460 bucks, U.S. American dollars. I guess there is no turning the other cheek with that guy. Well, like a watchmaker that's just been robbed, we've run out of time. But never forget, we read the news. All right, trust me, there are not many comedians who got their start in beauty pageants, but my next guest was the first runner-up in both Miss Georgia and Miss Florida. But she won the talent competitions in both of them. You're about to see why. Would you please welcome the very funny Leslie Norris Townsend. for me. I get to talk to people and not animals. We have animals on our farm. We have pigs and cows and horses. And when I want to get romantic with my husband, all I have to do is whisper in his ear, E-I-E-I-O. <laughs> I wish I was making that part up. <laughs> and guess what? It's my birthday. I am not afraid to say my age. I am 85 years old. 
I figure if you're gonna lie, you need to lie up. As you get older, natural beauty takes time. So I started doing my makeup on Monday. And I finished about an hour ago. <laughs> and I got all dressed up. And I usually say to my husband, how do I look? And he says, you look fine. Not what I want to hear. What I want to hear is beautiful, fabulous, thin. Is this too much to ask? Wouldn't it be great if you could put a little computer chip in your husband's neck? And every time you touch it, he'd say all the things you always wanted to hear. You touch it and he'd say, that diamond is much too small. You touch it and he'd say, I have gas. I'm going into the next room. You touch it and he'd say, I'm lost. Let's ask for directions. <laughs> but of course, he says it'd be better if you could put a little computer chip into my neck. You would touch it and I'd say nothing. I tell him my voice has come in handy. When I lived in Los Angeles, I auditioned for the original phone voice of the iPhone, Siri. Yes, and they told me if I had gotten the part, they would have renamed her Sorry. <laughs> so we moved from Hollywood, and my husband said we were going to move to his 100-year-old family farm and raise our children in God's country. And I'm thinking... Okay, let's have the adventure. People working in the field, mama cooking biscuits and gravy in the kitchen. We roll into this 100-year-old farm, and there were holes in the roof and a refrigerator and a couch on the front porch. It looked like a cross between Honey Boo Boo and Duck Dynasty. And I, I started to cry, and my husband said, what is wrong? And I said, well, where are the people? He said, you are the people. He said, but you can do whatever you wanted to this place. And I said, can we burn it? <laughs> my first birthday on the farm, my husband gave me six chickens. <laughs> He's a member of the bird family. Cheap, 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 cheap. <laughs> six chickens. And soon we had 286 chickens. He said, let's eat the chickens. I said, eat our friends. He said, let's eat the eggs. I said, eat our friends' babies. I said, you go to the grocery store and get some of those homeless eggs, those I could eat. <laughs> One morning, my husband woke me up and he said, let's go pull a calf. And I said, you know I hate aerobics. Because <laughs> I didn't know what that meant. I, I, I didn't know what it meant. So I got all dressed up because I thought maybe I'll meet somebody. Walk out to our field, and there is our prize cow. And she's hunched over, really pitiful, and, and, and she had a horrible moo coming out of her. Ma, ma. And there was a thing coming out the back part. You know, it had little, it had little hoofs and a pulled face. It looked like a little purple Smurf thing. And my husband said, the cow will die if we don't help her. So I ran to the front of the cow and I went <laughs> He said, do something. I said, you have my baby. He said, now when the cow goes down, I want you to sit on her head. Can you imagine the doctor telling your husband, go sit on her head? But he was great. He got in the back of that cow. He's a lumberjack. He took those little hoofs and he started to pull and he pulled and he pulled and it came out and everything else came with it. I said, put that stuff back in. It looks important. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you, Leslie. Thank you, thank you. Oh, that was great. I won't even ask you if that really happened. <laughs> well, how could you make that up? I don't know that you could. I really don't. I, I, I got... bet you've pulled a calf before. Actually, I can tell you I have not, and I don't think I'm going to start now. So just so you know. Uh, you've got a couple of sons. Do they think you're funny? Do they like uh, your humor? Abs absolutely not. They don't? They don't.
they said, Mom, I can't believe that people pay you to do this. They just don't think, the only thing they laugh at is <laughs> <laughs> They don't think I'm funny at all. Maybe they'll, maybe they'll grow into it. Now, you have sons that are in college. Uh-huh, I have two sons, yeah. and um, my, my oldest just graduated from Ohio State. Uh-huh. And he, thank you, thank you, and he, um, you know, my dream for him to become a doctor, I want him to become a veterinary medicine doctor. So he could pull those cats. Yes, yes. Yeah. So we could make money on the farm, yeah, finally. Yeah, that's a good point, yeah. Because, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to make a living as a comedian on a farm, you know. You're, <laughs> you're, doing, you're doing jokes to the corn is what you're doing. It's, it's not so easy. So I, I and he, he called me up after he graduated. He said he didn't want to uh, be a veterinary medicine doctor yeah. anywhere anymore. What he wanted to do was he wanted to come to Nashville and play music. Nothing wrong with that. So I uh, fainted first. Yeah. And then my dream of him becoming a doctor changed to now I want him to marry a doctor. <laughs> <laughs> Leslie, we're so happy to have you here. Thank, Thank you, you so you much for, for having me. Thank you. Leslie Norris Townsend. Go to her website for hilarious stand-up videos. You can check out her tour schedule. That way you can see her in person. Or why don't you invite Leslie to entertain your group event? All of it at funnyleslie.com. You can also subscribe to her YouTube channel. It's at Funny Leslie. Now, Keith may not be very funny, but he can still tell us about the rest of the show. So go ahead, Keith. I thought it was hilarious. Just ahead, a notorious former gang leader is on a mission to help break the cycle of gang life. Then Hillary Clue will demonstrate how to fiddle and dance at the same time. Pay attention, Governor. Huckabee will be right back. Well, from a desperate childhood to gangs and drugs, John Turnipseed's life was destined for destruction. Who knew he would return to his hometown of Minneapolis one day to mentor countless young people out of gang life and out of hopelessness. Here to tell his story, would you please welcome John Turnipseed. John, thank you for coming. Great having you here. You've authored a book called Bloodline. It's the story of what you have done. And if I had to sum up what I think is powerful about your book, what you say is dads matter. Absolutely. I think father absence is the biggest problem facing our world today. And the biggest... <clears throat> this audience agrees. And the absence of Jesus in young people's lives and stuff uh, is just a tremendous detriment to our kids. And I came from Selma, Alabama. I came from a church family. And my father came up to Minneapolis, and he left the church. Mm. And that's what started destroying our family. And as more of our families moved up, uh, the wolves of the community came after us, you know, pimps and drug dealers, gang members. <clears throat> and we became the largest gang ever in the state of Minnesota. They called in the National Guard. Um, I have 30 family members in jail for murder. Um, my grandson is doing life without the possibility oh, of parole. Wow. You will reap what you sow. Mm. But the good thing out of all of that is that Jesus came into our lives. And my family has went from 80% gang infested to 80% in church. So I'll take that. I would take that too, my friend. So John, you, you made a powerful point that when your dad left, you were kind of out there on your own. You described predators, mm -hmm. these people that came after you, that, that looked as, at you as prey, that they mm -hmm. could grab you. I mean, I, I don't think we sometimes realize a lot of young men are out there and they're just being set up to be picked off by these uh, folks who are going to use them and then abuse them and throw them away. Oh, absolutely. You know, pedophiles came in, you know, and just seen these six young boys just by themselves and gang leaders came in and pimps and I was running errands for pimps and and just the ugliness of life because I had nobody to look I was the oldest brother yeah I had no one to look after us and sometimes desperate things happen when that happens and my life turned completely around matter of fact one guy was just would give me a gun and send me into a grocery store and have me rob it Good and heavens. give me ten dollars and then that's he what got I did. the rest of it. He got the rest, but I 
could feed my little brothers. Wow. What was it that, that one day caused you to say, enough of this, I'm done? Well, all along, God had sent an angel long before all of this. For 25 years, there was a guy, a Christian guy, yeah. one of God's boys in our neighborhood, the only white guy in the neighborhood, actually, that pursued me. And he just told me that my life could be better. And at 40 years of age, my son was shot, uh, shot his leg off, mm. uh, brutally shot. I was indicted for 50 felonies, getting ready to do probably 40 years in prison. And I just said, you know what? I can't do this anymore. And I just asked God, you know, not to take away the jail time, but let me have the respect of my kids. You know, let me show my kids that I am their father, regardless of where I'm at. And the, that same man that was in that community, I went to him and he started teaching me how to be a Christian man. And at age 40. At age 40. Wow. What a powerful story. And then you started realizing that you had an opportunity to take what you had found in Christ and mentor other troubled kids who had been like you. Oh, absolutely. We started, I was the first client of this organization, and we started a fathering program, and we were teaching 2,000 men a year uh, how to be better, better mm. dads. Uh, we started a college program. Uh, last week, we sent 52 kids to college full, full scholarship. 52 kids full scholarship. Yes. John, that is an incredible story. Over the course of the last few years, how many young men have you helped mentor and, and, and see their lives change? Um, personally mentoring, I, I think over 200 that I've really just personally just poured my heart and soul into. Um, in my community, probably 20,000. 20,000. Yeah. And, and do people in that world, the gang world, listen to you because they know yeah. you have walked where they walk and it's not something abstract to you? You've actually lived that life and know something about it. I've actually lived it. And the biggest thing is that Jesus, the Jesus in me, they can, they can see it and sense it. It's been 20-some years, and I walked away from that lifestyle because I could with the help of Jesus Christ. And our organization, that's, that's the way we go. Urban Ventures Leadership Foundation, we are Jesus-based. That's the only thing that works in our community. John, if there are people out there, maybe they're not gang members, but they want to see positive things happen to young men in their community. What do you tell them to do to get started? How do, how do they go? You know, um, it, people have to take a stand. And at Ur Urban Ventures, we said, we're going to hold this gate. We took back that community. We're not going to let it go because mm. God is going to protect us. But you have to stay the course. You can't just give up. You can't get weary and say, you know, this is too much because it can happen, and it can happen in your community. So Urban Ventures, we have, we've taken the same territory that I roamed, mm. and there's no gangs in it anymore. That is a miracle because God has allowed you to take that. What a great story. Uh, you can learn all about John and get this riveting book. It's called Bloodline, and you really should, especially if you want to do something like this in your community. You can get it at johnturnipseed.com. And you can learn about his terrific outreach program for kids in South Minneapolis at urbanventures.org. What a great, great story and a great friend to have come on this show. Keith, who do we have dancing on our stage next? Tell us well, about it. Well, would you believe you can play a fiddle and dance at the same time? Hillary Klug did, and she'll show you how it's done next. Huckabee's back in 60 seconds. My next guest is an amazing young woman who is both a musician and a dancer. And she's gone from entertaining tourists on Nashville's Lower Broadway to performing at the Nashville Symphony. She's also a national buck dancing champion. Would you welcome Miss Hillary Klug. Hillary, so nice to have you here. Thank you so much. <laughs> I'm amazed by uh, your story. How did you decide, hey, I'm just going to go out busking? Because, I mean, I think it's pretty cool. It's part of Nashville's uh, charm, maybe. Yeah, uh, well, it was an accident. I didn't just dream of being a street performer for a living, but <laughs> I was downtown one day for a fiddle contest, yeah. and I was a starving college kid, and I parked my car in the garage, and I realized, I need money to get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> so I uh, went over to Broadway, and I, I knew street performing was a thing, so yeah. I uh, tried it out, and nobody wanted to hear it because I was just playing my fiddle. It wasn't until I started tapping my feet 
added and a little bit of dancing that people were like, hey, that's cool. And they uh, took pictures and video and most importantly, gave me money. Dropped a little <laughs> money in the jar, huh? Yeah, so I uh, met some other professional street performers. They thought it was cool, invited me back, and it became a regular thing. But now you've gone way beyond street performances. Nashville Symphony, some stuff like that. How did mm -hmm. that happen? Uh, well, it's kind of interesting. I have a huge social media following, over 620,000 followers. Whoa! And I built all that up just uh, doing like a little video here and there, and people were really into it. They like shared my videos all around the world. I actually have a fan club in Peru. Well, let me tell you, I've seen some of the videos, and that's why I'm very excited you're here tonight. And uh, as Hillary gets ready to dance and play for us, Keith, why don't you tell the folks how they can get Hillary's amazing music? Well, you can get your copy of Hillary's CD and discover more at hillaryklug.com. You can also see an exclusive online performance with Hillary at huckabee.tv. Now, making her national television debut, please make welcome Hillary Klug. Hillary Klug. 